What in the world is a tongue tie, and how does it affect babies' ability to breastfeed, eat solids, speak, keep their teeth clean, breathe well, and develop the structure of their face? This is a large topic and a little touchy. The tongue tie world has exploded in the last several years, and for good reason. Families need resources to help figure out what is happening with their babies. But there is a darker side of this industry that takes advantage of this growing problem for profit. No one is surprised, but we're calling it out. Oral ties are a real issue, and in this episode, we discuss the symptoms and solutions, as well as how the function of the tongue affects many areas of health later on into adulthood. Whether you're new to the idea of tongue and lip ties or a seasoned vet, we're sure that you'll learn a lot in this fiery episode. Welcome to Healthy as a Mother, the podcast for becoming and being a mother, with your co-hosts, Dr. Leah Gordon and Dr. Morgan McDermott, two naturopathic doctors who get it. Each week, we teach you how to be the healthiest mother you can be, from fertility and preconception to pregnancy and birth prep, through postpartum and throughout motherhood, empowering you with the natural health guidance and education you're not getting elsewhere so you can confidently navigate the broken system at large. The real, the raw, the untalked about. And remember, this information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or manage any disease. Always consult with your doctor before making any changes. Right. So lip and tongue ties, this is a kind of complicated, confusing topic that you know a lot about. Complicated, confusing, and crappy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about basically what are they, what causes them, how do we identify them, how do you get help with them, mm-hmm. what you know, options do you have? And are there any long-term issues with lip and tongue ties? So to begin for any of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, what is a lip and tongue tie? Yeah. So everybody has tissue underneath the top of your lip and underneath your tongue and several areas of your whole body called frena is plural for frenum. There's different, there's a labial frenum, which would be like on your lip there's the lingual frenum, which is underneath your tongue. Um, there's buccal or buccal, which are attaching to your cheeks. They're basically just anchor points of connective tissue. And for whatever reason, now we don't know exactly what the cause is. It appears to be environmental, but there has been a recent uptick in this tissue being too tight. So no matter what, everybody has a frena frenum in these two different places. Mm -hmm. But the issue is that babies are being born now at a very high rate as well of this tissue band being too tight and restricting the functionality of the movement of the mouth so that they cannot latch properly at the breast or they are latching in a way that's tearing the mother's nipple tissue apart, Mm. or they are not being able to pull the milk efficiently and they're getting fatigued at the breast and then lose, continuing to lose weight, or they are not creating a seal at the, at the breast. That's more to do with the lip tie in. So they're inhaling a lot more air and then they're having gas and, you know, refluxy type air issues. Mm. So there's all these different breastfeeding problems that can can affect the way that they attach to like a bottle as well. Okay. So just to back up some women or some babies because of unknown situations, potentially environmental are being born with like the top part that attaches the lip to their gum line mm-hmm. and then the bottom part of their tongue <laughs> yep. so the um, under are too tight, too tight so or pull, in the wrong spot. Yes. Or in the wrong spot. So they pull the lip down, maybe too tight and the tongue down too tight. And yes. then that causes issues with breastfeeding. So what yes. you're describing are signs that there might be an issue. Yes. Okay. So, and just to, to back it up more. So the way that the tongue is supposed to move, the way that the baby's mouth is supposed to latch onto the breast, the lips flange is called flanging out, mm-hmm. meaning that they're soft and relaxed and they're, they're kind of pushed. They're open out like a little duck, like mm-hmm. mm. they're not meant to be curled and tight underneath holding on for dear life at the breast, they're Mm -hmm. supposed to be relaxed because most of the work of the latch is done by the tongue Mm -hmm. and the tongue needs to be able to have enough range of motion to the back of the root of the tongue back by like, you know, the tonsils is supposed to come all be able to come all the way up so that it can have this proper undulation, undulating motion at the nipple to squeeze the milk out. Just like when you watch somebody milking a cow, Mm -hmm. they're not just squeezing like this they're kind of doing this like rhythmic motion and that's where you're getting the most milk output. So this is developed 
you know, over time for babies to be able to get the most efficient usage of the milk getting out of the nipple with the least work, right? That's where all of our movement patterns come from. What's the, the most like efficient movement for the least work? That's pretty much how everything adapts and develops. So the problem can be that if there is a, a tissue band that's connective tissue that's anchoring the tongue there too tightly where it can't do that. Or if that band of tissue is towards the tip of the tongue, that's called like an anterior lip tie. Anterior is like front, posterior is back. Mm -hmm. So if there's an anterior lip tie where you can really see it super well and it's causing issues, sometimes you can see people's frena Mm -hmm. and it's not causing an issue. Mm -hmm. It needs to be assessed for the functionality of the tissue. But if you're seeing a a band of tissue at the very, very tip of the tongue, that's like a, the very most severe type of tongue tie, at least. And that's almost always going to affect something. It's maybe going to affect speech later on or dentition Mm -hmm. because the tongue cannot move in the ways dental, sorry. Yes. Dental Mm -hmm. health, because our tongue is our cleaner of our teeth. Mm -hmm. We move our food around with our teeth. I mean, with our um, tongues. And so we also clean our teeth off with our tongues. Mm. And if your tongue is really, really bound, it's not able to reach up in the the crypts of the back over by the molars and and move and clear off teeth. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And these kids will end up having lots of cavities. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody do it. And with speech issues as well, speech impediments can be an issue. Things like kissing, which I know Mm -hmm. seems like not maybe that important, but it's there's a lot of life factors that can be affected. The inability to play some sort of an instrument where you're moving your mouth and tongue, like a clarinet or something like a wind flute, et cetera. I played the flute. I played the viola. We should I would get, have, get in a band. I would have loved to have done the viola. We didn't really? have orchestra. Oh, Actually, I would have loved cello. to do cello. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> we'll add it to our okay. channel. <laughs> Start a cello. <laughs> Anyways, so that is like the problem. And now there's going to be people who are like, well, I was living tongue-tied and I could breastfeed fine. And that's that's totally a thing. You could, mm-hmm. you can still be able to breastfeed, even if the functional functionality of the tissue is reduced. That usually is then on the anatomy of the mom. If the mother has a longer nipple, more mm-hmm. lax uh, nipple tissue, where it can stretch further into the baby's mouth. Some people's nipples are really like gummy, like gum. They can mm-hmm. literally stretch and shift. And also that changes as you become more postpartum. Initially though, for a first time mom breastfeeding a baby, there's an adaptive period at the nipple where it's not going to be quite like that by the end it is, but Mm -hmm. not in the beginning. And so this can cause really big problems for babies and mothers. And so now the reason why this is happening, Mm -hmm. I don't think that anybody really knows there's lots of theories Mm -hmm. and there is an overdiagnosis problem. So there's a controversy about this for sure. Lots of pediatricians don't even think they're real or they think they're being totally overdiagnosed by the lactation consultants or IBCLCs, IBCLC, it stands for International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. They're the, they're like a lactation counselor or consultant that has done even more training and they're really the ones that are seeing the pathology. Mm. So lactation consultants, just LC are great as well. And they're often in hospitals or they're, they're dealing with regular, normal breastfeeding and stuff. Typically, if you're having issues, you're going to be going to see an IBCLC because they are a little bit higher level, more trained. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So there are IBCLCs around the country that are overdiagnosing this as a problem. And there is now become this sort of like tongue tie just with anything, as we've talked about with the birth world, with the IVF world, et cetera. There's sort of this like mechanized factory system that's just making and producing so much money mm-hmm. from sort of taking advantage of these health issues. Right. And that is always, I feel like that's just human nature in this capitalist society of making money and sort of seeing a problem and filling that. But it's, there's a sweet spot where you're helping people, but then sometimes you're not helping people because you're putting them in a position where it's maybe not appropriate for them actually. Mm -hmm. So there are many babies who have been treated for their lip and tongue tie when it wasn't actually that the, the procedure where they're getting this band of tissue, either cut or lasered which is called a phrenotomy is not actually appropriate for that baby. Hmm. So just a little terminology thing. You'll often hear the word phrenectomy and it's just a, a semantics really phrenotomy is the better term because you're just cutting the band of tissue. A phrenectomy is when you're taking out 
the entire band of tissue. It's like a more surgical removal all the way down to the bone. So whatever, just in case you are used to hearing phrenectomy, it's actually phrenotomy. And so that's what we're going to use in this podcast, but just wanted to define that really quickly. So the way to get the phrenotomies used to be only cutting and actually like in history, I mean, I think that there's always been some level of babies being born with this problem because mm-hmm. there's the folklore, you know, stories of midwives that used to keep one long pinky nail Ooh. and that at birth, they would just Ooh. clip it, which I'm like, okay, whose nail is strong enough to do that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe a witch. I don't know. <laughs> Are these witches? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> which midwife or like maybe <laughs> keeping what some kind of like little like scissors or something in I don't know mm-hmm. um the scissor method is definitely inferior to some of these laser technologies that we have and if I had to very pick my top choice for somebody who's going through this process the co2 laser mm-hmm. is the top choice at least okay. right now that's because it cauterizes the wound in the moment so there's no bleeding it's very it's the most painless it's so quick mm-hmm. they can really get in there and take away a lot of tissue in a quick manner so sometimes posterior tongue ties. Remember I was talking about the anterior ones that are really obvious and they're, they're rooting the tongue, the tip of the tongue down. And you'll often, they're just very obvious. The tongue will be heart-shaped when the baby cries. It's like pretty clear to see Mm -hmm. it's the posterior tongue ties that are this sort of insidious, like, you know, maybe people don't think it's real. Maybe they do because the band of tissue, the frena is not as easy to see. Okay. So posterior meaning it's back behind. So you just can't, it's it's just deeper underneath. Yes. It's deeper underneath the tongue. And it would be something that you would need to feel with a gloved hand and Mm -hmm. taking a thorough history of what's been happening. Mm -hmm. What are the breastfeeding behaviors of this baby? What is the mom noticing? Does she have nipple damage? Has she had, you know, engorgement problems or mastitis? Yeah. Can you just go through that again? So for someone listening who either is pregnant and is kind of trying to prepare themselves or maybe is in the breastfeeding stage. Yeah. What are, what the are just kind of like the high level things to make you think something could be know, going I, I had this even with a patient the other day of explaining, you know, breastfeeding isn't always like easy and it's definitely not painless at the beginning. Right. But when is it? Oh, problem. there's something wrong. Yeah. Okay. Good call. So yeah, let's back up classic tongue lip tie symptoms that you'll see in a baby would be potentially you're seeing something in their mouth. Mm. And now it, it's more difficult for like a quote unquote lay person to be able to assess a tongue tie. A lip tie though is, is much easier. And mm. there is a correlation that's like, you know, it's in the high nineties percent correlation that if there's a lip tie, there's probably also a tongue tie. Mm. It just typically those anatomical stru- structures sort of go together. Mm-hmm. So if you lift your baby's upper lip up mm. and you see a band of tissue that is you know, from just that top corner touching, attaching to the very top of their gum up still in that like top corner. And the the lip is loosey goosey and can flange. And when they're breastfeeding, it flanges well, and it seems loose and it's calm and it's not tense and tight. You're not noticing a crease on your baby's upper lip from the way that it's being taught this way. You're not noticing um, nursing blisters on the lips. Mm. Did Avia ever have no. nursing blisters? Okay. All of my babies have had means. nursing blisters. See, it's so funny. I had a t- perfectly latched baby. She has the most amazing latch and she always has had the most amazing latch. I think it's so impressive. Okay. So a lip blister is you'll sort of see this bubbly appearance or, um, it can really concern parents because they're like, what yeah, is no, going I definitely on? I had no blisters on my baby. Yeah. <laughs> my and they're not really like painful blisters necessarily. They don't actually fill up with fluid. It just can kind of look like, well, actually sometimes they do fill, fill up mm. with fluid, but they sort of look um, bubbly or like the lips look chapped. Oh. And it's this, from this friction and this rubbing of a, mm. of a latch that's not quietly, quite um, optimized. Gotcha. It doesn't mean a lip and tongue tie always. It's just mm-hmm. that there's something maybe that we need to be working on. So yeah. that's some signs that you might see on the baby poor weight gain in a baby, lots Mm. of gassy fussiness, Mm. not really as much reflux, but if they're having like really painful gas, bloating, super hard, big belly, that poor weight gain, and then their whole overall bodies may be just tighter. You may notice Mm. that they're like extended a lot, meaning that they're kind of arching back Mm. or that they're very fussy at the breast. They pop on and off a lot Mm -hmm. when they're latched. You may notice a clicking sound Mm. in every time their, their mouth is kind of moving. It's like, it's like, and that is caused from the tongue 
losing suction off of the roof of the mouth Mm -hmm. and popping down when it shouldn't be able, it should be able to go up and stay up because it has full range of motion. Now in these babies that are tied, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so it comes down and it kind of plot. And so your nipples. Okay. Well, I'll get to mom in just a second as well. Other signs with baby. um, Yeah. Popping on and off inability to stay on hearing that clicking, um, being overall really tight in their whole bodies. Maybe, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't kind of hold them and cradle them in that classic baby position where they're, you know, you think about them in utero, like maybe they don't really want to be like that, or they're just always kind of like stretched. So this is because the tongue is like the master root is the master Mm -hmm. of the baby's world really in the fetal, in the infant body. And these tension patterns of this connective tissue can, can be seen throughout the entire body. Not Mm -hmm. every tongue and lip tied baby is like this, but many Mm -hmm. are they, it's almost like they have a dural tension. So dura is the connective tissue that surrounds the brain. Okay. And as we know, fascia blending in with the other connective tissue structures, and then blending in with things, things like dura, the fascia is like that white cobwebby stuff that's on chicken that you're like Mm -hmm. ripping off, you know, and it's, it's this very micro sort of connective tissue that is all around everything. Mm -hmm. And it surrounds all of our muscles. It's around our joints. It's around everything, our organs. And, um, it's really, really important. Mm -hmm. It can get adhesions in the way that a muscle can get adhesions. It can get Mm -hmm. knots like a muscle Mm -hmm. can get knots. Mm -hmm. And then that impedes function because things can't move as well, Mm -hmm. or it can start to pull on lines of tension in the body. And then you'll notice like, you know, really highly skilled therapists that work on this. And I'll talk about them soon can maybe be at your right foot and then be feeling the tension Mm -hmm. patterns around your right foot and your ankle, and then ask you something about your left shoulder. Right. And you're like, oh yeah, I had a left shoulder injury five years ago. And like, Mm -hmm. and they can feel how your, your body has adapted to these, you know, tension patterns. And so in a baby whose mouth is rooted and impeded in the function and flow, they, they can also have these patterns of tightness. Mm -hmm. Okay. So symptoms in the mom that she might be noticing nipple damage, meaning like cracked, bleeding nipples, chafes, Mm -hmm. extreme pain with the latch, even if there's not damage, it can just be really painful. The baby might be more chompy. So like, you know, they don't have teeth, but with their gums, they're sort of chomping. And that can be because they're having a hard time handling mom's letdown, which Mm -hmm. is the milk ejection reflex. When the milk is coming down, sometimes the chompiness is there's the baby's completely, their mouth is normal, but the mom has like a lot of milk or a Mm. fast letdown or something. So a a new little baby might be chompy for a period of months while they're adapting to that. So this is pain that would maybe continue beyond the first two weeks where it's painful just because your nipples are getting used to it. Yes. No, this is pain that is not going away. I experienced pain initially breastfeeding, but I didn't have lip or tongue tight issues with my daughter and her match was great. And eventually it did get better. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is something that would continue beyond that first kind of callous development yes. part, right? Yes, exactly. It would be something it's that not like, like, if you have any pain, you're like, oh, I must have a liver. Cancer. No, no, mm-hmm. ex- exactly. And you know, honestly, there's so many other breastfeeding issues that can be going on that it, the very best thing to do, if you're suspecting any of this is to make an appointment with an IBCLC. Mm-hmm. So typically they have their own private practices. They might come to your house. It's wonderful when they come to your house because going anywhere with a little newborn baby mm-hmm. is really tough. Um, but this is, it's critical. The reason why this is critical and I'll go back to mom symptoms in a second is because these early weeks postpartum, you're establishing your milk supply. Mm -hmm. And if you have a baby that's incorrectly latching and not pulling the milk from you efficiently, your breasts are going to learn. Mm -hmm. I don't need that much milk this Mm -hmm. because it's an output thing. It's a feedback loop of how much milk goes out Mm -hmm. is how much I'm going to make. And if the baby is not getting it out, Mm -hmm. and even if you're pumping, you know, in addition to, and that can help for sure. Um, But a baby's latch typically is more efficient than any kind of a pump. And anyone would tell you that in a Mm -hmm. typical sense, but this can be a missed window. That's really tragic because people Mm -hmm. don't, they don't really get these problems looked at quick enough. And then now their baby's three months old. They're finally figuring out why they've been having struggle for 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Their baby's been tongue tied and their breasts are now at a set point of making overall too few milk or, you know, and not enough ounces of milk mm-hmm. in a day to feed their baby. Right. And so it does have deep repercussions on the way that milk supply is, but so other sim- symptoms of mom recurrent clogged ducts, recurrent mastitis, especially early on. Um, and those are both because 
if baby is not clearing the milk properly, but mm-hmm. the baby is chomping at or suckling at the, the nipple, you're still stimulating the breast to an so extent. It's, it's making milk. It's out. not getting out. Oh. That's what happened to me with my first. I was making so much milk and it was not coming out. And he didn't regain your first baby was tongue to all, all, all three babies. of my babies were a little bit tongue. It was so unfortunate. Yeah. So, and this brings it back. There, there seems to be at least a genetic component to it. Um, environmental as well. My theory relates around folate and folic acid and how there's a potential too tight neural tube issue, mm-hmm. which we can, I can talk about in a few minutes as well. If we want to go there, if people are interested in who knows it, what mm-hmm. it is really, but um, so if mom is having these problems, what needs to happen in my opinion, in my ideal world is that she gets a really good thorough assessment from an IBCLC who is not known for just shuttling moms through the tongue tie network gotcha. because those are a thing mm, and that's, that's really unfortunate. It. Yes. And so how would you know? Yeah. You need to ask around, okay. you need to ask around, maybe getting even a second opinion if somebody's telling you something. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go to IBCLC and they say, oh yeah, for sure. Lip and tongue tie go this way. Maybe just always get a second opinion. Well, yeah. And you know, what? it's going to sound really annoying, but even if they tell you it's not a lip and tongue tie, you may get still need to get a second opinion. opinion. Okay. So just maybe if you can, it's important yes. to set up your child and yourself. Just know you get two opinions on this. Yes. Or, you know, you maybe hire somebody because it's not cheap. It's $150 usually for that first appointment. You have an appointment and assessment with an IBCLC. And then maybe you hit up one of those like free lactation groups or Mm. breastfeeding support groups where there's an IBCLC there Gotcha. and you, or something to that extent, Mm -hmm. or you, you maybe reach out to a friend who really knows and help them, you know, using all of this information together, talking about it Mm -hmm. and trying to make a, a plan and kind of make that plan quickly. Yeah. Um, myofunctional therapists. So Mm. MYO functional are, also another player in this game of helping with the way oral development affects everything about, you know, our speech, our eating patterns, everything. The other thing about these lip and tongue tight kids is that if you don't address this, they can be the ones that when they're, you know, six, seven months, they're starting to have food introduction. They have a very hard time manipulating the food in their mouth. They can appear to come off picky, but it's really because they don't feel safe. They don't feel safe moving the food around. Is there more choking risk? There could be more, they're more gaggy typically. I don't know about actual true choking. That's like maybe causing, you know, death or things. Yeah. But just like the gagging. But yes, gaggy, they seem to be more gaggy. They'll maybe like chew up a lot of the food and spit it out sometimes or, and that could be within the realm of normal too. Mm -hmm. All of this stuff, this reason why this is tricky is that all of this stuff, just these one, like if you have one of these symptoms I'm listing off, it can be like within the realm of normal. Mm-hmm. It's sort of this constellation of the symptoms. When you start to look at mm-hmm. the mom's history, the baby, the way the baby's developing, then you do an intraoral examination. They're putting on clean gloved hands. They're feeling the band of tissue. They're lifting the tongue up. They're lifting the, the, the lip up. They're feeling that tension. Okay. Does it move? Does it have motion? Is it possible that this baby can actually feed. And then they can look at other things in the mouth, like a high palate. So the roof of our mouth is called our palate and it should in utero. And the thing about lip and tongue ties is that they start at like seven weeks in utero. So there's not that much you can do about it (laughs) in general. So potentially just being very careful with your preconception. Preconception. Yes. As much as we know. I mean, I think and not overdoing folate. We'll get into yes, that. Yes, and we'll get into that. So and the palate. Yes, but so the palate is starting to be formed in utero. The entire time that the baby's in utero, ideally the tongue should be up. Suction, that is how all adults, by the way, in case you didn't know, think about the way that when you're just sitting here right now, where's your tongue? I mean, I've is been it... rolling it around in my mouth as you've been talking, but I do see it like is throw it... it to the top. Now. Okay, because a lot of people will just, in with their mouth closed, their tongue is down. Oh yeah. No, I don't think that's, and it's just resting on the bottom of their mouth. It should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's where mine goes. It should be up. The tip of your tongue should be resting. Tell there you go. A nice home for it, but it like, exactly. It wants to go there. It's Mm -hmm. the natural place for the the tongue. Yeah. This is the natural oral resting posture that we want. And the reason that for that is because the tongue creates a light suction on the roof of the mouth, that palate and helps to bring it down and widen it. Mm. It's a movable structure. It's a movable bone and tissue mass that has 
a lot of impacts on the way that our jaws and face structure and sinuses and everything develops, the way that we have enough space in our mouth for all of our teeth. Like mm. we have to get our wisdom teeth removed, you guys. What's up with that? Mm-hmm. You don't think that we evolved with that, right? Because we didn't. Yeah. We never had to get wisdom teeth remo- removed, but we don't have literally enough space in our mouths anymore. Right. And this is long, long, long history. There's actually, there's a really good book out now called Breath or Breathe mm. by James Nestor that mm-hmm. talks about a lot of these issues. If you're interested in airway, all this stuff, there's so many like things to think about and how this has implications. It's not just, can I breastfeed my baby? Right. And I'll get into the whole span of things in just a sec. Actually, I'll do it right now. If you don't address this or this becomes a problem and you're not um, working on it, the things that can happen later on is that child can have an issue with food, with swallowing, with manipulating the food. When the teeth come in, if there is a very um, tight band of tissue on the upper lip where it's like, it's like a grade four lip tie, which is where it's wrapping, the tissue is wrapping all the way underneath the bot, the gum and notching that gum line. Cause it's a bone structure with tissue on top of it. If it's notching that, that's like my son had, it will create these sort of pockets. When you're lifting the lip up, you'll see there's like these like little half moon pockets and food can sit out there because it kind of gets trapped mm. and it can decay. And you'll see cavities on the tops of those beginning incisors that come in so there's area there's more cavity situations that happen Mm. from this oral resting posture and oral health problem often tongue and lip tie babies hang out with their mouths open they don't have their mouths closed they don't have their tongue to the roof of their mouth this is where we want babies mouths closed closed. this is something i learned from you that i had no idea you comment on my daughter's closed mouth all the time she always has her mouth closed it blows my mind i know i I, it's honestly it shocks me to see it's so wild to see normal when Mm your only experience is pathology yeah and i know that you think that about like my pregnancies and things yeah so we're such a good mix because we have like exactly where it was (laughs) exactly where it was easy for you it was hard for me and vice versa because we're a great team <laughs> we are. You benefit from it all yes exactly you guys get it all um so when we have our mouth open even if we're not mouth breathing which mouth breathing is horrible terrible never mouth breathe if you're mouth breathing you need to deal with that you need to get assessed by an airway dentist who can be helping you realize the root cause of that and even if a baby has their mouth open and they are breathing through their nose open mouth structure in general puts you at risk for a higher cavity Mm -hmm. cavities later on because your mouth is not meant to get that air and it's meant to be this like vacuum kind of closed system the way the microbiome and everything works and all that i mean is there's a reason why things are the way that they are or they should be at least Mm -hmm. so anyway we don't want oral resting posture where the mouth is open and hanging open the tongue is low posture we want the tongue up pulling that palate down to make enough space in the mouth for teeth and develop the entire face. So orofacial myofunctional therapy. It's mouthful. It's mouth, face, mouth, face, movement therapy movement of the, of the muscles and fascia therapy. Exactly. Good interpretation is an entire field. Mm -hmm. And it's usually speech and language pathologists that go and they get this additional training Mm -hmm. in myofunctional therapy. And it's to be, yeah, just to be more specific, it's orofacial myofunctional therapy. And they can help people with that like long face syndrome. Have you ever heard of long no. face syndrome? So it's kind of that, like when you'll see people who have this like small little recessed jaw and it kind of like goes straight down the neck oh. like this, they have usually like larger noses, but crushed sinuses. They often have deviated symptom septums. They maybe can't breathe well through their nose. They tend to snore, have apneic events, sleep apnea in the night, which all which cause long-term chronic really health problems, big deals. Cavities yeah. are not just a dental problem. They affect your entire your body, heart specifically. your entire microbiome. Sleep apnea can lead to heart obesity, disease, heart obesity, disease, yes. early death. Like this is not just a childhood yes. thing. So and high blood pressure. Up. I mean, this is a really big deal yeah. so and it's, it makes so much sense. It's like this, the mouth is such a master for our whole body planning. And when we think about it through that lens, this is like 
red lights, red lights, warning. What's going on? Why are all the babies being born with this? We really honestly should be so much more freaked out than we are because what is going on now? There is a level of overdiagnosis, like I said, and I don't really know what to think of that. Well, I have a couple theories and we'll get there in a second, but anyway, so yeah, pretend that this child now has their mouth open all the time, their teeth come in. They're not, they're having like a lower sort of oral health overall with their tongue not being able to get around the mouth, they're starting to talk and there's speech impediments because their tongue is not doing the right things. They are also developing bad patterns like tongue thrusts or like a reverse swallow, which is where when you swallow, your tongue should go back and down. Mm -hmm. And there's a common pattern that is associated with, and you don't have to have a tongue tie to do this. You, lots of people do do this in general. It's just one of those dysfunctional movement patterns, but often tongue tied kids do do it, which is where your, their tongue thrusts outward. Like mm. in order for them to swallow their tongue has to come out. It pushes against the front teeth. I'm trying to see if I do that. It can, it pushes against the front teeth. It's causing this constant pushing out of the tongue. And so then when there's coming to make speech sounds like SH or, I mean, sorry, rather S instead of Z, mm. it's hard to teach them to or t or z or j or they will often get like spit buildup in the corners of their mouth or there's all these like oral wow. things you think about yes and then when you start to notice this in the population you see adults yeah i see adults with the phone yes and, and then you I'm look at the like, shape of their face i bet you anything if you look at the shape of their face you google long face syndrome or one of these other cranio facial mm-hmm. um you know it's not a deformity. It's just a a malformation. And actually, you know what the coolest thing about all this is that it's changeable even in adulthood. Adults can start doing myofacial orofunctional therapies and completely change the look of their face. What? There's, there's this like a natural plastic surgery. Exactly. Oh, hundred percent. There's this technique called mewing. M-E-W-I-N-G. Mewing is basically like your, there's a couple of different like things in the definition because it's not an actual practice necessarily, but it's like an idea where you're pressing the tongue to the roof of the mouth very hard. And you're like doing these kinds of exercises where you're like really pushing it hard. And then they'll do things where they'll chew this super tough gum called mastic gum Mm -hmm. for the masseters and this massive. So they're trying to increase. It's like men basically I feel like it started kind of because of men who wanted like more broad jawlines because that's seen as more attractive. It's like a high testosterone feature as well, which is interesting. And they want these like broad, you know, Abercrombie model kind of jawlines. They chew this. They'll chew this gum gum and they'll, and they mess around with their mouths and their palates and it changes the face structure that they have. It's amazing. Yes. And, but then, but then as a, you know, it's, it's beautiful to us, but it's like evolutionarily, is it beautiful to us? Because we know that it's the proper way to have a good airway mm, and have good sinus function. Mm-hmm. We should not be get, having these tiny cramped little, little sinuses that are continually getting sinus infections and having mm-hmm. all these problems. We should have these nice wide, this all goes back to like Weston A. Price. Mm-hmm. He was a dentist in the 1900, early 1900s, who was, you know, perplexed and confused why our modern culture was dealing with all these cavities. And then he went and he studied with all these indigenous and traditional cultures, saw what they were eating and hell, you know, they didn't brush their teeth, Mm -hmm. but based on what they were eating, they were getting nutrients in their diets to such high levels that, and it was impacting the babies being born with these wider faces, able to accommodate all of the teeth coming in with no problems, Mm -hmm. no crowding, no, no dentist, no dentistry whatsoever. Wide, beautiful jaws, Mm -hmm. big, wide, beautiful sinuses. And he kind of like narrowed it down to a couple of things, you know, vitamin D, vitamin K, all of the fat soluble vitamins, actually Mm -hmm. A, E, and also like the ways, the types of food, you know, this very rigorous sort of roughage and nuts and hard food, lots of chewing on the meat. And Mm -hmm. nowadays, what do we do? Oh, we feed babies like oatmeal and packet purees, Mm -hmm. soft, soft food. We Mm -hmm. want to be chewing. We need to be using these muscles to develop Mm -hmm. the face in order to develop the whole face. That's amazing. It's amazing. You guys, the James Nestor book is so interesting. You'll love it. And he, he does a really good job too. Cause I know like an inordinate amount about this topic because of my kids. And we'll put all of these in the, in show, the show notes. notes. Yes. Don't stress about writing. And I was down. really impressed with the, the levels of the topics that he covers. It's, mm-hmm. it's really cool. He talks about a lot of, a lot of different breath work things in general, but so anyway, that's kind of the trajectory that you're looking at. If we're not careful and also just in in general this oral kind of 
factor of how it can affect breastfeeding and so what to do about it. And so now, all right, let's say that you did that. You went, you got an evaluation, you're pretty confident, or maybe you did too. You got a you know, second opinion. You're like, no, I really think that a tongue and lip tie is actually going to help this baby or a tongue lip tie revision rather the phrenotomy is going to help this baby in our breastfeeding journey. So in my ideal world, something, well, let me tell you about what happens first. And then I'll talk about the ideal world (laughs) as we do, as we do on this podcast, (laughs) what is the reality and what is our, and what's messed up about that? (laughs) What do we need to change? Okay. And we're not complaining. We're just trying to change things for the better. Right. So what typically happens then is that without any other thing done, the child goes and gets the laser revision. Mm -hmm. Now, if the pediatric dentist or pediatric ENT, usually a dentist who's doing the procedure is good, they will give stretches. Okay. What that means is that the, the mouth as a mucosal membrane heals incredibly quickly. Mm. You know how it is like you bite your tongue or something. And a couple hours later, it's completely healed. Mm -hmm. And so the problem with that, if you're trying to (laughs) cut into a band of tissue is that it's going to reattach and heal very quickly. So these stretches are very, very important to keeping the wound open so that the tongue and the lip tissue can heal with this like new opening and not Mm -hmm. just re back and attach. And maybe stronger than before. Yeah. Because of scar tissue, a hundred percent. And a scar has even less range of motion. And this is a huge problem. Yeah. I bet. I can't even think about that. Yeah. And this is why a lot of people are like, phrenotomies don't work They're They don't work. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, let's talk about how it went for you. Mm-hmm. because if you didn't do it, if not them, not like as if it's their fault, but if it wasn't done in this appropriate manner, then yeah, it is mm-hmm. going to make things either ineffective or worse, mm-hmm. not better usually. No. So, you know, in my opinion, it's almost like just extreme negligence to not mention stretches. Mm-hmm. And I've unfortunately met many families who are just so upset when they learn that like, that's the way that it should be because right. they didn't do the stretches, the mouth reattached, maybe there's scar tissue. Now the problem is either worse or it's just not better. And now you spent, you know, what, five, $600 out of pocket because insurance Mm -hmm. does not cover this and nothing happened. And you're still so frustrated. So what they should be telling you to do is several times a day. Sometimes there's parameters like every four hours or four times a day or whatever. There are stretches that are done underneath the tongue and underneath the lip it's quick. It's just using your finger as the parent. You can use a glove if you want to. It's your baby's Mm -hmm. mouth though. Just wash your hands, in my opinion. And you're rubbing underneath the tongue. You're lifting it up and back and you're stretching that wound. It's not comfortable. Um, it's usually the worst pain for the baby in the first couple of days. And I, I put quotes around pain because some don't really experience it as pain at all. It's just like a little bit of uncomfortability, or maybe they don't act like they care at all. Mm -hmm. Now, some are very upset as well. So there's a range, Mm -hmm. um, but you should be doing that around the clock for a month, every four hours for a month. It's a long time. So that would be kind of like what is typically happening in a good situation where it's not a negligent doctor. Who's not telling you to do the stretches. Now, what I, and the IBCLCs and the craniosacral therapists and the myofunctional therapists know is that there is a bodywork component to this mm-hmm. that is as important, if not more important. Mm-hmm. And this is where I wish that I could scream from the rooftops that every baby needs to go to craniosacral therapy. Every baby can benefit from craniosacral therapies. C-R-A-N-I-O-S-A-C-R-A-L. Wow. Craniosacral. I, totally spelling <laughs> I am really good at spelling. It's like a natural thing. I am not out loud. Um, it's because my mom, my mom, my whole life would be like, oh, you know, this word. And I'd be like, what did you say? And then she would spell it all That's for my so whole great. life. She's oh, done that. I and that. I'm really good at okay, spelling because you're spelling that it was accurate. I followed it. I tracked you. Craniosacral therapy. Yeah. Because people are like, what are you saying? It's not cranial sacral. Yeah. Cranio. sacral therapy, which is a really difficult therapy to explain because it mm-hmm. feels like woo woo magic to everybody. But we have to remember that that fascia that we were mentioning earlier is manipulatable. Mm-hmm. You can manipulate it. 
just the way that we, we manipulate bones or like muscle when you go get a massage or even our energy lines and the way that we, when we go get acupuncture, we know that we can affect the way that energy flows. And that feels even more woo woo, but I feel like people accept acupuncture at like yeah. a very high rate, which is great because it works. TCM traditional Chinese medicine is amazing. So craniosacral therapy is working on this plane of fascia. Mm -hmm. So these therapists are highly trained to feel something that feels like it would be impossible to feel, but they're working on these soft tissues, connective tissue structures, and they can loosen a tight baby and correct things like torticollis, which mm -hmm. is where a baby only wants to really look one direction. Mm -hmm. Torticollis left untreated can cause not only like neck tightness and maybe a breast preference because their neck is only comfortable to nurse in one position and not the other. Mm -hmm. And then it can lead to things like flat spots on the head because the baby only wants to hang out with their head mm -hmm. in one spot. Flat head, head syndrome in general, though, maybe if it's from maybe being placed on their back too often, can also be, be corrected by things like craniosacral therapy. The conventional model will tell you it's helmet. a helmet only mm -hmm. untrue. Also those babies though have a predisposition for this, which I think ties back to the tongue in a lot of ways anyway, mm -hmm. because tons of babies are being laid on their back all the time. Their head is not flattening. So right. what is going on there? There is something mm -hmm. deeper going on. Mm -hmm. I think craniosacral therapy is amazing for so many things. So specifically with the mouth. And so my dream, so that was the conventional model. I said that they'll get assessed. They do the procedure. Maybe they get the exercises and they're sent on their way. My dream is, and what a lot of people are saying as well is pre phrenotomy body work. Mm. You get the, you get the phrenotomy and there's post phrenotomy body work mm -hmm. and suck retraining exercises on top of your stretches. Mm. So what all that means is that you're getting a lot of craniosacral therapy done beforehand because a lot of this tight oral mouth, newborn, just, you know, ripping at nipples or having an ineffective latch can be corrected by just loosening the structures in their mouth. Yeah. Sometimes they're just tight. It's not that the tissue is actually dysfunctionally tight. Mm -hmm. It's just a little like you know, maybe from being in the womb and kind of just sitting in the womb for a long time, mm -hmm. or they're just a little bit on the more tense side and they can be like almost like massaged and worked out. And if we can stretch the mouth a little bit, mom and baby can get by without having to do a phrenotomy because that, that wouldn't actually be the appropriate treatment. Right. And this is why these body workers. And so you would also want to find a craniosacral therapist who is, um, like specifically trained in like infants. Yeah. There are adult ones and they're great, but they, this is a highly specialized mm -hmm. trade. You want to find them and the, your ideal situation is an IBCLC plus craniosacral wow. therapist, which I have in Boise. If you need to one, <laughs> Linnell King is the absolute master. She's amazing. And it's like, because she can look at the whole picture of baby's body. She does the, the, you know, releasing of these tissues can see the breastfeeding, can see the whole picture. And it helps to her to assess what is going on. Does this actually really require a phrenotomy? That's so, so smart. yeah, it's so smart. It's such a piece to the puzzle that is required Yeah. because if, even if let's pretend, even if the baby needs a phrenotomy, pretend you have like, you know, some sort of muscle structure that's causing you a lot of problems and you're going to go get surgery on it, but you didn't like try to yeah, like do anything trap. Because yeah. You're just going like, to cut into the tight trap. Yeah, you're just gonna cut the like muscle. you should try to, to loosen the area first mm -hmm. so that the amount that you're lasering is just as minimal as possible to do the, uh, yeah. the deed and then be done. So then we go and we get this, we do the, the pre body work. We go and we get the phrenotomy. You're instructed to do the, the exercises around the clock and that's to keep the wound open. And we'll talk about my tips and tricks for the healing process as well after this. And then you're continuing with that body work and it might be craniosacral therapy once or twice a week for four weeks. It might be two weeks. If the baby doesn't seem to really need it, it might be three months. I don't know. It, mm -hmm. You'll have to make the plan with your craniosacral therapist, but that new body that this baby is working with and the way that the fascia and all of these tension lines in the body may now be released because mm -hmm. of 
the tongue not being rooted to the bottom of the mouth. And the mm. tongue actually has connective tissue structures that when we look at it on a cadaver, attached to almost everything in the body. Wow. So this new tongue that this infant is working with now, we can like continue to balance and bring function to all parts of their bodies. And then in addition to that, post phrenotomy body work, is the suck retraining exercises. Okay. So creating, or, uh, the IBCLCs are usually the ones that are performing this. Maybe they're giving the parents a few things to do. It's not that intense, mm -hmm. but the new mouth of this baby, they need to kind of relearn how to suck mm -hmm. and relearn where to put their tongue. And so they'll often do uh, like an exercise where you'll see them with a gloved hand, have the baby latch onto their finger and then they'll like open their bottom jaw so that the tongue is latched up with the bottom jaw open. And you're really strengthening all of those muscles underneath the tongue so that it can maintain that suction. And they'll just do it over and over and over again. It's like you're working out. Yeah. It's like, it's like post-surgery recovery. Yeah. Like it, it's very accepted. Like athletes know this, yes. you know, you have an ACL tear, you go to a physical therapist. Yes. You go to physical therapy rehab. after it's like the pelvic floor stuff, this stuff. It's like, we don't think about our oral and other openings in our right. body that <laughs> yes. openings, the openings yes. that they need therapy too. Totally. They do. And I don't believe that like, this is normal. Like when I think about the way that we <clears throat> adapted over time, I'm like, yeah, this cannot be, but maybe, maybe in traditional cultures, there was like, you know, there's the medicine man or woman. And then there was people that knew these other things that we just don't know about, like how mm -hmm. advanced their medical systems were. But sometimes I feel, it feels like so overly managed, but maybe it's because our environment's so toxic now. And our, we are having a lot of body system breakdown and dysfunction yeah. happening. Maybe like, there is a toxin that's blocking some sort of thing that's needed to, you know, impact this. Like, yes, exactly. Okay. So, know. and on to that, the next segue, my theory is, and who knows, but you know, we know that folate is involved in the formation of the neural tube, which is like the folate spine and the vitamin, brain. Vitamin yes. B9. Yeah. B9 folate often called folic acid, which is the synthetic version of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and we started because of things like spina bifida, cleft lips, we started to supplement all of our, or fortify rather our food, our cereals, breads, etc with folic acid in mm -hmm. the 80s, 60s, 80s? What was it? I'm forgetting. I don't know. Sometime in the mid last. Sometime, century. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sometime to prevent these open neural tube issues because mm -hmm. when the babies, the fetuses were forming in that early embryonic phase, if there wasn't enough folate coming in, it could cause this opening where you're like the spine and the brain and there's these midline structures can have be essentially malformed, right? Mm -hmm. So what is interesting is that now there's so much folic acid in everything, right? And it's like, you can't really get away with from it. And then for whatever reason, these MTHFR, it's, which stands for a, an enzyme, it's a gene that trans tetrahydrofolate reductase. Yes. Good job. No one really needs to know. No that. one needs to know that, but it's kind of a fun thing to say. Methyl tetrahydrofolate <laughs> it encodes for an enzyme that helps convert folic acid into a usable form. Mm -hmm. People are having, whether this is an epigenetic expression and change, we don't know why, but, or maybe we do know why, but there's an increase in dysfunction of this enzyme and potentially it's causing the overabundance of this synthetic vitamin and the inability of so many more people's bodies now to process it is causing an overly tight neural tube mm -hmm. and an overly tight closed midline structure function because you'll see so there's just, yeah so just to back up yep folate is a very important nutrient that we say that we need because spina bifida is a condition where it doesn't close fully so the nervous system the is exposed to be exposed because it didn't close it wasn't yes. tight enough yes so this theory is that maybe too much folate is making it close too tight so yep. everything in the middle is just wound too tight, too tight. Exactly. And then that's bleeding into the connective tissue structures as well. We're not really seeing like spinal issues in these kids necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, but you will see people who are working with these kids are seeing these patterns of these quote unquote midline defects, which could be things like sacral dimples, 
that are um, like above the sacrum, you'll see like little little imprints in their skin where it's like the the skin is kind of as if it was being tethered, like a dimple, you know, in your mm-hmm. cheek or something. Um, and underlying that, if you were to like look in, there's not really anything going on necessarily. It's not like something that is at all as impactful as something like spina bifida. Mm-hmm. But then there's, you know, these persistent stork bites, which is that reddish kind of color that can be on the nape of a baby's neck, or sometimes it's on their forehead. And Mm -hmm. that is like typical and classic within a range of normal. But then now there's these kids that are having these splotches that are just not going away. And they're like six, seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. And they're still having them. The high palate, the recessed jaw, like there's sort of a, and that the high palate's recessed jaw could come from the fact that the tongue wasn't up in utero. So right. it's sort of chicken or the egg. We don't yeah. really know. But it's anyway. not that folate is dangerous. You no, need we need folate. folate. You just don't need too much. Like the prenatal that I helped design needed. We were very conscious about the amount that we put in. We didn't yeah. want it to be too much. Yep. You need enough. So don't be afraid to take folate, preferably not folic acid, the synthetic form. So like yep. your methylfolate or, you know. Yep, methylated folate, methylated B vitamins. And so this is like a topic that you may have heard of before. And it, and it does matter because- when we give our body synthetic forms of things, there's often extra steps that it has to take in order to make it a bioavailable form. Mm-hmm. And some people's bodies, that process is just not optimized. So it's almost like we can gunk up pathways with unusable forms. And then now what are we doing? You know, and it just, again, it's all these like little things that overall can have big impacts, right? Yeah. So that's just a theory is not something that is like in the research, at least that I'm aware of. I I don't really know if we have a good concept of why this is happening or what is happening, Mm -hmm. but what is for certain is that even adjusting for the overdiagnosis aspect of it, this is happening at an increasing rate where it's true, where it's a truly tied structure that needs to be released in order for proper physiological breastfeeding to occur Mm -hmm. and for all it to, you know, in the avoidance of all those other sequelae that I discussed. And so, and, you know, if you're like 10 or you have a 10 year old or something, or you're even like 35 and you have a lip and tongue tie and you know it, you can still go and get it revised and work on all these things later. Obviously we know that it's better to take care of a lot of these things in infancy if we can if we know about it especially if it's going to be something that's making or breaking your breastfeeding journey mm-hmm. for me 100% I would not have been able to nurse any of my children had I not had a phrenotomy wow. the moment that band of tissue was cut in their mouth their mouth went wow. and their lips and they just go, 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 go. Oh, and I gosh. stopped bleeding and I, they gained weight. Yeah. I mean, it was for them and it was a posterior tongue tie, which I was touching on earlier, which is like further back in the mouth, not as obvious to see, mm-hmm. but when you were assessing again, with the careful expert eye of these people who've been trained well, and they can look at all the symptoms and then they can feel in the mouth. It was so restricted. Their little tight tongues. They couldn't do anything with them. You know, and still even now, I mean, my, my older kid has been in myofunctional therapy because he's still, he has a very high palate. I mean, even with releasing the tongue, it's not like all of your problems are going to go away, Mm -hmm. but it's the first step and being aware of, you know, being in myofunctional therapy, his tongue now most functions the way that it should. He, he swallows the way he should, he speaks the way he should. And so I'm hopefully at least setting him up on a trajectory where his tongue is actually reaching to the palate and his palate has widened, which has wow. been really cool to see. Cause he had the highest palate, like ever, ever. It was bad. It was really bad. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Now my middle daughter is definitely going to be on that track. And she has a very, even more a narrow face. And now my third has an even more narrow <laughs> face. And, you know, so there's not that much room in these mouth and structure. So it's, it's going to be a path that I'm going to be on for a while, but I still feel so grateful that I was able to have the breastfeeding journey and be equipped with this knowledge. And it took me a really long time to learn all of this. And I don't want that for anybody else. I wanted this to just be like an information dump so people can, can get on a better track and trajectory. And it would have been so frustrating for me. Well, okay. One other thing I'll say really quick is that before I talk about my tips for healing is that the first IBCLC that I went to with my son told me that he was not tied. And was absolutely confident about it. And I hired, she was one of the best in San Diego at the time. 
I'm not going to name names, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and everybody's human. And this is the thing is like, I was really mad for a long time. And I've come back to, you know, everybody makes mistakes and nobody has a hundred percent perfect day. And given the information she had at the time, she didn't think he, he was. And then three weeks later, after I'd had mastitis twice and I was dying and developing really bad, severe postpartum anxiety, I went to this free breastfeeding group. I kind of quickly mentioned my story to this other IBCLC and she was like, um, what can I look at his mouth really quick? Mm -hmm. And I was like, sure. And she like, I lifted up his lip and then she get it. And she was like, oh my God, you are, I mean, and you can say this to anybody, but what she said to me was you are never going to be able to breastfeed him successfully unless you like, he is so tied. Wow. You have to get him really crazy that one missed it. I know. And the other, to the other one, it was so obvious. And it's just, this is the difference between individuals, right? right? Like we can't no, we can't put any, it's too much weight into any one person, person's opinion. But I just want to share that because I was so devastated. You know, this first IBCLC told me I just had low milk supply and I wasn't going to be able to rescue. And that's just the way it was. Um, Mm -hmm. I had oversupply. I made plenty of milk. I made more than enough milk for all three of my babies. The entire time I was breastfeeding, like that was not the issue. It was their mouth. Mm -hmm. And then I, and then having tighter breast tissue because my breasts are small Mm -hmm. and having at that time as my, with my first baby, my nipples were more flat. Yeah. And that was a really big problem Mm -hmm. with a lip and tongue tied baby who couldn't latch onto something. I mean, now my episode on like optimize or totally. like obstacles in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah. So, anyway, so, that's, so what are your tips for yep, healing? Yep. Tips. And then we'll wrap it up. So <laughs> when you're doing the stretches, so pre-op, so pre-operation, I think that it's, and we haven't even really talked about a lot of our tools in our toolbox as naturopathic doctors, but homeopathy can be amazing. So homeopathic mm. Arnica, mm. Arnica, Montana, Arnica, 30C or 200C, those are the kind of potencies can be really amazing. Now with little infants, you're going to want to take a couple of the pellets, like two, three, don't trip out about the number of them. It's, it's doesn't really work that way. Like two or three is fine. You crush it between two spoons. You make a little powder. You can even just like wipe that on the inside of their cheek. You can mix it with a little milk or even like a drop of water. It's fine. And then feed it to them in a spoon that I would give to the baby the morning of the procedure or like the day of, and then at some point right before the procedure, I would also give afterwards, I would get homeopathic hypericum, Mm. which is for incision pain Mm. specifically. And so the Arnica, I would continue for probably that first like two weeks, uh, giving, you know, a couple of doses in the day, spreading out to maybe like once a, one dose a day, depending on, and this can be for pain, the bruising, the, the he, overall healing process, kind of give it to your baby as needed. There's not like a cap with these homeopathics. Although I wouldn't say you need to give it more than maybe four times a day in those first couple of days, just to kind of get them through. Then you can taper off to say once a day. Hypericum would really only be appropriate in the first three days post procedure. Mm. After that, just save it for something else in the future. Again, you can crush it between two spoons. I would give Hypericum probably twice a day for those first three days post procedure. And then every time you're doing stretches, you can put a little vitamin E oil on your finger or Mm. coconut oil on your finger when you're going to do the stretches and get ready to latch them immediately afterwards. Um, Because that's the biggest comfort that we can offer our babies is to nurse them Mm -hmm. like hands down. So get ready to be able to breastfeed them right after you're going to do it. And you use a little bit of the oil. It kind of helps to soothe and also helps to soothe the, heal the tissue, but heal it open, right? Like we're Mm -hmm. opening. And also you have to, you cannot be timid when you're doing these stretches, Mm -hmm. you cannot go in there and just be so sweet because it's your baby and you love them. You have to stretch the tongue up and back towards like, as if you were going to push it down their throat, you're not going to push that hard, but that's how that's the motion that they need to be able to do. So you, you, you push and you're rubbing and your dentist will give you the instructions hopefully. And then under the lip, it's like a rub and a stretch and lift up and a rub, 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 rub. And then boom, it's done. It takes 10 seconds, maximum Mm -hmm. 15. And then you latch your baby. Um, you can give them children's rescue remedy, which is a Bach flower. It's the flower essences. It's sort of like a homeopathic, um, a couple of drops before the stretches. And then that's kind of it. I think, you know, if your baby is seeming to be in extreme pain, 
the appropriate medication of choice would be Tylenol, which is unfortunate because we don't really love Tylenol, but under six months of age, that is the only option. After six months, if your baby is older, ibuprofen becomes the medication of choice, but under six months, it cannot be anything but Tylenol. And that's just because of kidney development. And so that's kind of my sort of spiel. And just knowing that like, you're doing something that's really important for your baby's whole life and trajectory trajectory of their development. And if you nurse and you do lots of skin to skin afterwards, before, after whatever, you know, they're, you're going to get them through this sort of like hard period of time. But most parents, I would say report that it's only tough or that their baby only really fusses in those first like two or three days. And then from there on, it's just like a routine thing that you're doing. And it's not like a big deal. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. So you much information. No, so much. And it's so great because thank you for having gone through oh, that with thanks. all of your kids Sucks. to have the knowledge that you can wrap it up in a one episode podcast of like, here's everything you need to know. You know, we have between the two of us, such a wealth of knowledge across so many different I know. topics. And this one for you, I know has been such a, such a journey. So no. thank you for sharing. Everything. Thanks for recognizing I hope that. that this was helpful for you guys because yeah. just one sentence of this entire podcast <laughs> is probably worth all of the time that you spent. And this is, you know, when people ask me, this is all the spiel that I get, I give them, this is like pretty much my chunk. Mm-hmm. Here it is. So, I mean, that's pretty much all that you need to know. There's lots of avenues and follow-up questions I'm sure that people have, but those are the experts that you need to contact and find in your area and be working with. And, you know, there's so much more to learn about lip and tongue ties, but I, I think that that's like a pretty good comprehensive overall overview of this issue mm-hmm. acutely for the breastfeeding of this baby right now in the moment and the way that they're, it's going to affect their whole life. Oh, it's amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the healthy as a mother podcast. In order for other women to hear this information, please leave a review with Apple podcasts, subscribe and send to a friend who could benefit from this content. We're so excited to share more on becoming and being a mother next time. And remember a healthier future starts now and it starts with you. Please remember that the ideas and views presented in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to serve as a substitute for medical care of any kind, including the diagnosis or treatment of any illness or disease. Consult with your provider before integrating this information into your own care plan. Now go have a wonderful day. You've got this.